When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons blissed out! After my come on! There is rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. A damn lie, I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man! None of it is true! I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share Podcast. Now, keeping up with the theme of the last few episodes and kind of the theme that I've been focused on for a while, um, psychedelics, the history of it, where it all comes from, what kind of ties it has to possibly nefarious things. And uh, I've been talking to a guy on Twitter for quite a while, and he has great insight and deep knowledge about this time period and and you know, what it's all connected to. So please welcome Carl Hassel. Carl, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Hello, yeah, everybody. man. I'm glad that we've uh, had the exchanges we've had on Twitter and a number of my friends in the podcast world have, have uh, you know, mentioned you in passing like, oh, I see you guys. Talk. He's awesome. You know, he's got all the, the wisdom from the 60s and the 70s, all that kind of stuff. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. The, put, put you on a pedestal kind of thing. But uh, no, I've been, you know, really glad to get to know you a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad to talk to you tonight about a subject that I'm really fascinated by as my audience knows. And as, as I kind of gave you a little intro to, I'm really passionate about this topic because I feel like psychedelics were a, a huge catalyst in my life. I mean, before psychedelics, I feel like I look back at my past as very robotic and automatic and just walking through a zombified dream world in a way. And it really did amazing things for me in a lot of ways. But I mean, as I look further into it, I, you know, I see a lot of interesting, well, dark things involved with this whole process and the whole history of it. So I'm glad that we have you here to enlighten us a little bit more on this. And for my audience who's not familiar with you, um, can you just give us a little bit of background on, you know, how you got into psychedelics, what, what your, what your past and involvement was with it? 
um, I think my first psychedelic journey was Purple Haze back around 1973. And um, my friends and I just got into it. We were we took a lot of LSD throughout the 70s and all the way through the 80s, too. Uh, you know, I did a shitload of LSD, did an awful lot of peyote. I was taking peyote in the mid-70s with some Indian friends of mine. I had first had it in Austin, Texas in 1975. But then as I got to meet some people in Arizona, I had a lot of peyote throughout the 70s and then a couple of times in the 80s and hadn't thought about it again until 1998 when I saw an ad in a High Times magazine. I keyed in on the word peyote and I sent away for a membership to a place called the Peyote Way Church of God and got a membership and joined. Subsequently went down there and started going down three, three and four times a year, actually. For a peyote journey, it was a legal way to ingest the psychedelic cactus peyote. Um, let's see. Ah, brain fart. Well, hey, right off the bat, that's a pretty good intro. I mean, you know, it's, pretty good. Well, okay. To this topic. Yeah. Um, it's legal now in four or five states mm -hmm. as an all peyote? religion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so that was pretty cool. And I actually, I became a first degree clergy. They have a clergy system. It's very Masonic from one through four, fourth degree. I was a first degree and I was also clergy. So in four states, I was able to baptize, bury the dead and marry people. Whoa. Legally. <laughs> wow. Under this specific church. Yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. Then I, like I said, I found out I was being lied to and I quit in a rage and broke up a lot of pottery and threw away a lot of mementos and shit that I had acquired over the years. And then I started doing these YouTube shows, you know, exposing them. The Peyote Way Church is actually a Mormon front. They're a recognized sect of the Mormon church and they belong to something called the United Way, the United Order, I'm sorry, which was started by Joseph Smith. And Whoa. they deny they have anything to do with the Mormon church other than the dietary guideline. They follow the uh, section, Word of Wisdom, section 89. That's the dietary guideline for clergy. Well, it went a little bit deeper than that. And it's funny because I was up in Humboldt with uh, the co-founders at a hippie fest back in, uh, I guess, 2000, some, about 2015, like I said. And without any solicitation on my part, the co-founder said, you know, Carl, I've looked for a manual online. There's nothing. He's a ghost. There's nothing online. And I thought, you know, it went over my head. We were smoking reefer and it just went over my head. So a few months later, I'm reading uh, Michael Collins Piper, Final Judgment. Okay. And I come across the name Emmanuel Trujillo slash Mana Trujillo. And I something clicked and I started, I looked it up. I searched it and went, holy shit. And that started me on a multiple month reading and research binge. And I found out that he basically comes from out of nowhere. The first we really hear from him is 1953 when he joined, he infiltrates the National Renaissance Party, which was out in New York City. And they, you know, they did a lot of Jew hatred and hating everybody, the Vatican, et cetera, et cetera. And he infiltrated, he had been a student at the Communist Front Jefferson School where he received communist training after getting out of the army, you know, and uh, he basically took it over by 1953 and was sending anti-Semitic literature all over Europe and the United States. And he was charged with starting riots 
over the Brown v. Board of Education decision with the kids, the black kids going to school. He was supposed to disrupt that throughout the South, but ended up breaking his leg in an accident, and that didn't transpire. But as it turns out, going through his FBI files, one week he would uh, have National Renaissance Party lectures at his, his apartment, and he would have a picture of Stalin on the wall and national and uh, uh, communist literature on the table and girls in various states of undress, underage girls, keeping the men hypnotized while he's doing his political rants. Well, two weeks later, you go to his apartment and he's got a picture of Hitler on the wall and National Socialist literature on the table. And he had been busted by the FBI for pimping and pandering. And they found a bunch of German weapons with swastika insignias on them and all this. And as the FBI put it, girls as younger than 14 years old in various states of undress. Uh, he skated out of that. Nothing happened. His cover was blown. It turned out he was a paid agent for the uh, Anti-Defamation League in an arm oh. called the Anti-Nazi, Anti-Nazi something or other, um, Anti-Nazi League. Uh, he was getting financed by a super spy named Sanford Griffith, who was paying all of his expenses, everything from printer costs to ink to rent. They bought him a motorcycle and some new boots. And he was cranking out all this literature and he came up with a little brown shirt kind of thing. He was in charge of the elite guard, as they called it. Well, after his cover was blown, he couldn't do that anymore. So the ADL kind of washed their hands of him. But he was also an FBI informant in the sense he was the wit star witness in the Mickey Jelke trial. The guy was an oleo heir that was on trial for pimping and pandering. He was running a high class call girl outfit. Well, Emmanuel was hanging out with one of his number one girls, Pat Ward, and uh, he taped his apartment and all the goings on in his apartment and presented it to the FBI in the try the second trial of Mickey Jelke. So not only do we have this guy as a paid agent of the ADL pretending to be a Nazi, but we have him as an FBI informant, and there are hundreds and hundreds of FBI files. I've sent you a couple of the ones with his name directly printed on it, mm -hmm. including one where him and Eustace Mullins are named in the same report. Oh, he was he was tasked with finding homosexual activity against Eustace Mullins and other people in the right rightist movement. Wow. Well, what happened was is he had a book called I Love You, I Hate You, My Six Weeks of Free Love with Pat Ward. Yes. Right it's an extremely rare book. So if anybody can find it, I suggest they grab this because the Peyote Way Church does not want this book being seen. This Yeah, I this really caught my eye in your messages, all these pictures you sent me. That one really stuck out. Well, he uh that blows the cover on his original story, the story that he's a war hero and he's half Jewish and half uh half Apache Indian. Yeah, in the, yeah. about the author section of the book, it says his mom is a Catholic and he was born in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and you, you, I have, I didn't share any of these particular links, but at different times, he has claimed to be one quarter Apache, one half Apache and full blooded Apache. Wow. He's and like he, Joe Biden. These are all interviews throughout the years. <laughs> and he also claimed to be born on the San Carlos Indian reservation. And then none of that is true. According to his 1955 book, which is the earliest documentation we have of the guy. Well, he ended up, after that fell apart in 55, he decided to go to Canada and start a cannabis smuggling scheme 
was arrested with 700 joints crossing the border and ended up doing two years in prison. So then all of a sudden, he, in 1960, he reappears as a full-blown Apache artist doing pottery and paintings. Is that the guy you sent me with, like, the black and white headshots? Yes. And everything? Yeah, that's this his guy. Yeah. Yeah, wow. there he is. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because an autograph like, picture. I've got one with an autograph in my. Phone. Oh yeah, that's right. I think you sent me that one too. <laughs> but um, yeah, you. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um, I feel like his name. I've come across it a million times and never, never, <laughs> lo never looked at it. Of all the people in the psychedelic culture that I've read and studied and looked at, he just slipped by my radar entirely yeah it's he was good how... buddies with tim leary oh he geez. was very good buddies with tim leary and rosemary and he knew the hitchcocks and as a matter of fact billy hitchcock and tim leary paid for three properties for trujillo out in the desert to set up an ashram and take lsd and peyote and do yoga see this is why pottery. i never paid attention to him because he was connected to people i was paying attention to like i was paying attention to um leary so much that I probably he was probably yeah. just in the background, you know what I mean? Well, he also had 10 different aliases, aliases. <laughs> so he kept slipping under everybody's radar with 10 aliases. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so he, he is he the one that started the peyote church, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yes, in 1970, it was called Project Open Hand and Church of the Holy Light. And he had that by himself from 1970 to 77 when, quote, Rabbi Matthew Kent joined and his wife, quote, Reverend Ann Zaff joined and they incorporated and formed Peyote Way Church of God. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and neither neither him or Annie are uh, ordained. They were dubbed Rabbi and Reverend by Trujillo. And as a matter of fact, Matthew is an Episcopalian. His mother is a Christian, but he goes by Rabbi Matthew Kent. <laughs> this is so weird. And and the fact that it's a, it's like a Mormon front. I haven't, I haven't dug too deep into it, but I know, uh, you know, my friend, uh, New York Patriot, and yeah. uh, he's dug into all this stuff, like the Mormon church and everything. And it basically, the Mormon church seemed to, seems to be a, a Masonic front, which is that's very really bizarre. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy how this is all connected. I know that's kind of your, so it, your it's thing all connected. Too, you know? And that has been my mantra for years. It's mm. all connected. <laughs> I feel like that's every one of our mantras when we take psychedelics. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. all connected. Until you, wow, yeah, it's taken me no, so it, long it, to piece this much together. I mean, and it's a lot of crossover you. too. Like you know, people that belong to Peyote Way, some of them can also be part of the Rainbow Family, and some um, of them can be Mary Pranksters. And their dad was a Hell's Angel, and their mom was a Mary Prankster. It's all one big dope exchange, and every you know, the reggae movement is involved with this. And I've got a whole separate package about reggae, but um. We'll have to do that. It's at all some connected <laughs> and everybody knows who everybody else is. Mm, yeah. Right. Like, oh man. So, well, how did, so I know you spent a lot of uh, time, you know, not with the Grateful Dead necessarily, but you followed them around for a while, right? Yeah. I was a fan from 1998, right up until 2015 when yeah. I smashed up my tape collection with a fire ax and my stereo. <laughs> I, I had completely 
I had enough of hippie bullshit and psychedelia. Mm. And I learned about the Grateful Dead and their military intelligence connections and Scientology connections and, and that whole bit. Right. And I just said, you know what? I was deceived all my life. I, I did tour in 1982. I, I, I quit my job and went on tour in 1982. And I saw about 30 shows during wow. 82. But, yeah, um, it's an interesting yeah. culture following that band around for sure. So it's fanatic. They're fanatics. And I was a fanatic too. I was as well, not for them. We have our little mini versions in the in the following generations of bands. You know what I mean? Not Grateful Dead, but very Grateful Dead like, like carrying on that hippie vibe and the festival scene and everything. It's it's present constantly, and it's funny because it's it's not only one big drug op like you said but it's kind of one big intel op as well it seems because there's just so much connection back to intelligence because like even wasson who brought the magic mushrooms to the west like his checks are signed by the wrong people you know it's always the same thing and i have yet to get my mind really around it because of the philosophical aspect of psychedelics themselves you know i've had people your age come to me and be like yeah but then you find out it's all nonsense it's all it's none of it's real none of it's real insight and i'm like well you just lost me man because i can't agree with you there it like quite literally showed me how real things are and like i can't i can't undo that you know what i mean and oh, i sure. feel it's um so i feel like there's tears to understanding this psyop and uh, I'm not anywhere near the top. I don't know if there is a top. It's insane. And I, I, you know what you'll notice too, looking into this? Yeah. There's absolutely zero criticism of Israel war crimes in the psychedelic community uh -huh. and in the reggae community. It is a topic that is not touched. And for people that are so concerned with human rights, one would think they would be hollering loud and large, long and loud right. about the Palestinian plight. But there, it's like verboten, man. You, you don't talk about it. And it's just a coincidence. Which I found, there's, mm -hmm. I have a whole idea behind all that too. So, uh. oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, it, but... and yeah, from, from other ed angles, you know, you can get into the, the background of our education system and the colleges, all these universities and all these people, these names that it's all connected to. It's all these, yeah, this group of elite intellectuals, psychologists, you know, the sixties with Leary and all them and Alpert, like that's, that's a future generation compared to what was going on in like the teens and twenties and thirties with the re-engineering of society, basically, and everything. Walter yeah. Lippmann and all of his influence and everything. But uh, sticking with this, um, yeah, where would you want to continue on with Peyote Way, or what do you want to? Where do you want to go next? Because I'll leave it up to you, and um, let me know I, if I should show some it? pictures as well. Yeah, sure, go ahead, man. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. But yeah, definitely because I don't know much about um about this dude emmanuel or peyote way and i've only taken peyote one time and it was just as powerful to me as psilocybin or anything else and it was oh yeah extremely it's profound. psychedelic man and and that's what i'm that's what i was getting at before you know like the meaning behind these substances is so oh man it, it's just a dialectic in society right now where like even you know people i agree with 99 of the time like i I, the, there's a gray area with psychedelics because these are profound substances that can impact the mind in a really powerful way. 
And yeah, I just want to hear more about your experience with uh, well, yeah, I, what, what you what you found out in your crazy six month research binge, you know, like what what else came <laughs> well, about? I pretty I covered a lot of it here already, um, you know, without <laughs> getting into huge details. Fair. Uh, okay. In 19. Well, he Emmanuel was busted a few times for different things and always skated, except for that uh, Canada bus for cannabis. But um. Mm-hmm. His one of his sons testified against him and said he's not even an Indian, that he'd done that just to start selling pottery. And we know he was on Hate Street in March of 1967, the same month Charles Manson appeared on Hate Street. And they were both they crossing each other. I mean, he he the uh, Oracle magazine, San Francisco Oracle, put out a thing that said, Mana is the heat, be careful. And then they retracted and said, No, man is cool. He's the head of the Native American church, which is incorrect. He was never the head of the Native American church. He was a roadman for a while, but he was not the head of the church. And he uh, had an all-race charter going, and then it supposedly was shut down when LSD was made illegal in in, uh, October of 66. But the fact is the Native American church refused him a charter. They wouldn't write him one, so he went and started his own anyway. Mm -hmm. And now it's embedded in folklore. But he, he is credited with bringing all-race peyote use to the United States. He was busted in Denver in 1966 for peyote, LSD, and uh, cannabis or hashish. And he pled guilty to the peyote and said, I don't know about the hash or the LSD. Well, it went through the courts. And then in 1967, he was acquitted because he was using peyote in good spiritual faith. Mm. And that opened up the door to all-race peyote use. He was, right. He's credited with that. It's unbelievable how this is a perfect example of something that I would have just glossed right over if I was someone who just wanted more people to understand these these substances that impacted me so much. You know, I would be on their side of it. Go, yeah, you know, and not oh, even yeah. thinking about it. It's nuts. Uh, so they crazy. get a, a lot of. Um, I don't have a problem with psychedelics. I don't have an issue with psychedelics or with people that want to take psychedelics. It's like anything else. If you want to be able, if you want to try LSD or peyote or mushrooms, go ahead if you're a legal adult, but if you fuck up, you're going to be paying the price, you know, you expect that. But um, (laughs) I do have a problem with weaponized anthropology and academic fraud and guys that are double and possibly triple spies coming out of nowhere, starting bogus religions. That's where I have a problem. Yeah, I agree. I have a, a book by Leary sitting in the other room called How to Start Your Own Religion. And, yeah, that was, and you know what? Yeah. That was the model. That was the model <laughs> for setting up Peyote Way. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, look at that. Jesus. It's See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, an intel- I, intelligence op. <laughs> and if you look, if you look, I sent you some pictures of Leary. He's wearing yes. a medallion. Yes, that the, medallion, I was literally just on that. I was about to share that. So yeah. I have one too. I have one in the back room, and I sent you a picture of mine there. It, yes, it, yes. Hang on one uh, second. Everybody that's clergy in the church has that, and Leary and both Rosemary. I sent pictures of both of them wearing those. Yep. Yeah, there it is. There they on, are. And then on one side it says LSD, and then on the other side is what you see there that circumscribed lotus. There's, there's the mine. mine. <laughs> and then I used to wear that all the time. There's the lotus. And then there's this picture you sent me. Which you'll which, see this whew. on the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, the psychedelic group. They yes. use that same symbol. Seal of the League. 
and it's on it's on Leary's stuff too. His declaration of evolution yeah. and the free Timothy Leary stuff. You'll see that it's all the same people. It's all the same money backing it, which was basically the Hitchcocks. That they're right there. This was an invitation to me to come out and have some peyote. One of my good friends from the Havasupai tribe sent me that. It was part of an invitation. Wow. What we have here, we have the tribal symbol. We got some eagle feathers and a bunch of fresh cut peyote buttons. Wow. And That's... my health and finances. Like I had to turn it down. Like, you know, but uh mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> that was an invitation for me to come on over for a ceremony. Wow, that's really neat. Yeah, that's the what you were saying before. Is man of this the was, heat? This was on Hate Street. This was handed out on Hate Street in 1967. Be careful! Wow, dude, that's so crazy. That's like we're sharing this kind of shit on Twitter now, and you know we're we're calling out controlled op and and shills and things like that. Well, it's mass it's media, funny too. and it's cool that this was handed out as paper. And, and just go ahead and scroll Street. to the next two, yes, the other yes. parts of that. Okay. See, they had a correction. It says, oh, man, it's cool. And then go ahead to the blue one, the blue page right here. Yeah. Now, if you look, it's signed by Walter Bauer, who was once married to Peggy Hitchcock. Walter Bauer knew Emmanuel Trujillo in 66 when he started the East Village Other. And I sent you a link for that to show that. But uh, it's signed by Walter Bauer, Harry Krishna, and Michael Bowen, who was an artist who was responsible for putting on the human being. He was one of the big organizers of the human being. I knew that and name William, sounded familiar, yeah. Yep, and William Fontaine, he was a cannabis smuggler, and that's all I could find on him. But uh, yeah, it's real cute. So they all vouch for him. But Walter Bauer knew Emmanuel in 66. And he's mm -hmm. not, like it says here, he is not the head of the Native American church. That was bullshit. Right, right. That's wild, man. And so Trujillo actually lived in a teepee on the Hitchcock's property outside of Tucson in 1968. There was that's the back of my clergy card, pledging pledging to use peyote responsibly. Now magicians, here again is the symbol. Musicians, poets, and know-its. This is from the Rainbow family, and you can see the symbol down there at the bottom of the page again. This looks like uh like almost like a like a pamphlet you'd get handed at like Bohemian Grove or something. <laughs> you got magicians, musicians, poets, and noets, you know, it's like, yeah. those are the same. Uh, they, they kind of claim that a little bit about Bohemian Grove, even though it's like a lot of politicians and rich fucks. It's like, yeah, we're uh free spirited musicians, magicians, poets. <laughs> you know, they would say that kind of shit about yeah, yeah, Bohemian yeah. Grove. Like you said, it's all connected. Oh, is this the link, the symbiosis between anti-Semitism? Yeah, go ahead and, and click on that, and you could see where uh, it talks. Like, I saved the page. It's You come right up to it. It talks about Emmanuel working with Stepanowski and some other spies. You see uh, right here, Emmanuel, uh, man oh, of True Hill. Am I there? Am I on They're it? talking about him. Oh, okay. So well, this I'll put this link in uh, the show notes, too, so people can check this out. Yeah. That's really interesting. Canadian. Wow. Yeah, that whole first part was about Emmanuel. This part right here? Yeah, the first two or three paragraphs all the way down there. You can okay. see. Wow. That's actually a six-page article, but I only put that page up because it just specifically dealt with Emmanuel. Okay. 
Yeah, it talks about the ADL. And there is at the communist Jefferson School. So, I, you know, that was an important link because what I just said, that's basically supports what I said right here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only one yeah. link. Like I said, I, I have over almost 250 links for these shows if somebody wanted to do a really deep dive on the peyote way and a manual. And now here's from right off the Mormon's website. You could see recognized sex of the Mormon splinter groups. Come up, come up. Oh, wrong one. This one. Right up here, right, right, right here. It'll say peyote way. There it is. See? Am I not on it? Right oh. here. Yeah, you're on it right there. Oh, okay. Peyote way church. Yeah. Emmanuel Trujillo. So they're, they're, wow. you know, and then I sent you something Splinter also groups. about the United Order, saying that the Peyote Way Church is part of the United Order, which was started okay, by I'll Joseph Smith. Try to find that. You got so many great pictures here. I'll stop sharing for now and keep looking through. But this is in, this is incredible. How it's just like another piece to a never-ending thread. It seems it keeps like telling us the same thing over yeah, and over. He again. lived at Millbrook. He mm -hmm. lived at Millbrook in the front house. That's where his pottery pottery studio was. And curiously, you know, the big bust when G. Gordon Liddy came in and busted a, a Millbrook, everybody was busted except Emmanuel. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it sounds similar to Manson constantly just getting put back <laughs> in the valley over and over again until, yeah. the, until that fateful year, you know, where they had to crash the hippie revolution they had created. Because that's what it all points to. It all points to that the entire counterculture not necessarily was like co-opted like a lot of people think. Oh, I thought for a long time, but it seems like more it's been like literally manufactured from the ground up. Whether what do you think it all it's all puppet puppets? Like, do you think everyone thinks they're doing the right thing? And it's only okay. like, well, I'm just curious your perspective on it, because again, I think on so an individual so level, layers. sure. Okay. I think that's how the game does work. You know, it's that fallacy of the person that doesn't believe in conspiracy theories. Like no, no way to get that many people all involved in the same deception. And yeah, no, you're right. There is no way to do no, that. As you far have as to the kind of... way goes, there's a lot of academic fraud and weaponized anthropology. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it seems like um, they just oh, give yeah. us. Oh, some... go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's just like <clears throat> they give us a little push and like we create our own fucking psyop around it, you know? But what were well, you gonna I say? was going to say, you know how uh, that goofball McKenna talks about learning how to live through the mushroom, listening to the mushroom? Yeah, listen to the mushroom. Yeah. Well, Matthew Kent says the same thing about peyote. Oh, he really? Says, peyote can teach <laughs> us lessons in how to live. And I shared the disc that that's on. Yeah, that twelve-minute disc. But are are these guys working from the same playbook or what, man? They absolutely are. Do they know they are, or if they know they oh, are? Oh, I think they do know they are. If they know they are, are they doing it like excellent, or are they doing it like ah, yeah, I'm gonna tell this to my group too. This really helps. Oh, like, no. it's that's the creepy part. It's like, and I'm not saying intention really matters. Implicit, complicit, you know, totally uh, unwitting or knowledgeable it really doesn't matter. It's like, it's all kind of part of the story regardless, you know? So I'd like to get into the grateful dead a little bit and uh, what you, cause the thing is, is I've never really dug deep into that. I've dug into like Laurel Canyon specifically, 
but that's just one angle and there's a lot of uh craziness there but like the grateful dead seems to be its own topic on its own and mm -hmm. their, their influence seems to trump pretty much any other um artistic group or force uh in that time period and mm -hmm. it seems like the grateful dead was a powerhouse that kind of created a, a culture around it more than just the people that follow them around though i mean like real influence on other bands and other oh, sure. way, you know tons of the population of of hippies you know so i'd just love to hear some stories man and what you know about it well you know a lot of people have done really good work digging into the dead and putting that whole thing together yeah and uh you know i have friends that i've tried to turn on to the information and they don't want to know because they like the music and then you try to tell them that's why the music was written that way you're supposed to like it it's a mind trick you know right. and a good musician is a good musician you might hate the grateful dead or whatever but the fact is they're good musicians they cannot yes. be denied you know Absolutely. billy christman is one of the biggest underrated drummers out there he's a friggin' monster you know he's just pure jazz when he doesn't have mickey hart hanging on his shoulder like a vulture but um <laughs> Lately, the dead, what they're doing now is they're pushing full access abortion and gun control. You know, I sent a couple pictures there. And, of course, Bobby and Mickey are both members of the Bohemian Grove, which a lot of deadheads ah. didn't know that. They've played there a couple of times. And I shared one picture of them at the Grove and then another thing advertising Bobby at the Bohemian Club. And I shared a clip also on YouTube where Bobby is asked about the Bohemian Grove. And he gives the most lamest, weakest answer, you bullshit you have ever heard. So, you know, the, the fans might, your fans might like to see that if they hadn't seen it yet, they can link to that. But Oh my God. I think, know, I've, I think I've heard that, that excuse. Um, yeah. He, he, it's he all gives him a lot of credit. Not only are they members there here, you see the female symbol with a fist empowering there in the steal your face. They're yeah. really pushing full access abortion. And uh, oh my god, it's so pathetic! It's like sports teams with their logos and everything. Yeah, it's and, just and like there's another corporate branding wearing that. Like, what the fuck, man? How how are you, how would people still fall? Well, I mean, okay, maybe they're not following the dead anymore because for any great purpose or anything. But my god, like they're corporatized. They, I know that I'm catching on late. I'm sure they've been this way for a long fucking time out in the open. But damn, that's just so in your face, you know. Let's see. There they are. Hey, there's Bobby and Mickey at the Bohemian Grove. Wow. I wonder how far away the, from the cremation of care that was. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because in that little interview, he actually says some snarky joke about yeah, not yeah. the cremation of care, but like I didn't see. I haven't caught a virginal sacrifice. Yeah, I didn't uh, see any of those. I, and it's like. Yeah, uh, he's slick. He is. And Bobby. An evening with Bob Weir. Bohemian Club, April 30th, 98. It's unreal. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, the dead, you know, they're steeped in military intelligence. Three of the mm-hmm. members were in the Air Force. Uh, science, their, their main songwriter was a lifelong Scientologist, as was one of their keyboard players. And um, let's see. Jerry, his whole background, too, he actually was an expert marksman with a carbine rifle in the Army, and he had a medium security uh, clearance to work with missile trajectories. What? And, of course... Yeah, and Phil Lesh comes from a Masonic dynasty. He, his whole family are Freemasons. <laughs> so I, all I knew about Jerry Garcia was that at least the story was that he was in the military for like a really short period of time, and then like didn't he get like dishonorably discharged for just being a lazy piece of shit or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Something well, well like- he he first joined and he was gung ho. He was spared away, a one soldier, gung ho. Uh-huh. And then very quickly started becoming a slob, basically personal hygiene and a lazy slob, and they threw him out. And it's interesting because his story parallels Wavy Gravy the uh, of the hog farm. Wavy Gravy was in the military for a very short period of time, too, and then got out. And, of course, huh. both of them were at the Palo Alto acid test with Kesey. Yeah. It's a very similar pattern. You join the military, then you get out one way or the other within a few months or a year. And then all of a sudden you're a countercultural icon, basically dictating the new lifestyle. You know, what comes to mind. Have you ever seen that movie, The Departed? Yes. By Scorsese. So for anyone who might have might have not, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Costigan, who was trying to be a state trooper. Uh, they pull him in <coughs> to the office, basically suggesting that he's pretty badass and they do want him, but not for a regular street cop, not for state police. You're not a fucking cop. They got to put him in jail. They got to get him into the system as a criminal so he can come out of there and then blend in with Costello's gang so he can infiltrate properly. And it feels like that. It feels a lot like that with these guys going into the military, but then, ah, no, it wasn't for me. I was becoming a hippie while I was in there. Lost all my, yeah, fuck the man. And got this. Yeah, that's why I'm a cultural. It's just very convenient, you know, and now that you're saying there's like multiple like honcho fucking icons from the psychedelic era, all doing yeah, the and, same, well, same little uh, dog John Perry show. Barlow, John Perry Barlow, who wrote all the words to the songs Bobby Weir wrote. They were good buddies going back to uh, the early 60s. They were both at the ba- a bad boy academy called Fountain Valley School in Colorado. And John Perry Barlow wrote the words to all the tunes Bob Weir wrote. Now, John Perry Barlow was a 
from a hardline Mormon family, and he once worked on Dick Cheney's presidential campaign. And then he decided Cheney was a world-class psychopath. But John Perry Barlow, he has bragged, and you know, I could send all the links for this, but he has bragged going to the CIA to teach them how to use the internet more efficiently. There's a whole article in Forbes magazine called Why Spy, written by John Perry Barlow. They're just steeped in military, and the whole thing is an op. That's so, and why is it always like the CIA are just this bumbling group of idiots, and all these outside third parties always have to come in and teach them? Like you look at the Gateway Experience. Well, that's we just sent a soldier out to check out this weird Monroe guy. All right, it wasn't us. All right, he just came back and reported on what Monroe was saying. It's like, okay, great. Good for you. You fucking spent millions of dollars on this shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's a trip, man. It's a trip. This is wild, man. I had enough of the Grateful Dead bullshit. It was a long, slow awakening. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just started seeing too much of the dark side and the hundreds of people that follow them from show to show that are homeless drug addicts. Right. Now, crack and heroin came into the scene really big time about 1990. And a lot of people were getting strung out on heroin and crack. And the idea at the time was, well, Jerry's a junkie, so we're going to be junkies too and I'll share our misery and love, you know, kind of an attitude. Wow. Yeah, self-deprecating, self-destruction. And it's funny, uh, recently I had my friend Andy Gerard on a show uh, and he was showing pictures because he actually uh, was nearby a Grateful Dead tour coming through and he went to it to not he didn't go into the concert but he just went to the massive parade the the carnival that follows them around the tent sites and everything <laughs> and yeah it it was interesting because in my late teens early 20s hell yeah like that it's a great way to like experience many many different personalities and all they get get out there in the world sure like you know that's the time of your life to do it but then looking at these pictures that he took it's all lifers you know it's and and people with babies and stuff like that like it's just they're living at this in this world it's and a it complete really fantasy Pete paints a really interesting picture of what this vr micro dosing like pharmaceutical <clears throat> techno future that a lot of these elites have in mind or at least are pushing at us uh it's a it's an interesting little microcosm to what the macrocosm could be, you know, because that's what they're pushing for sure. They're oh yeah. This new psychedelic idea. rollout is just overwhelming. It's everywhere. Everybody, yeah. TV personalities are all lauding the new psychedelic age. Like, you know, it's like, Ugh. and as a guy, my age, I heard this shit all before. Right. Right. I heard you, this dude, all I'm before. only 38 and it feels like old hat to me. And it, it just feels like once again, these idiots a thousand years behind, you know what I mean? It just feels gross. I was 10 years old in 1967. I very much remember all the promises about psychedelics and what a miracle drug it was and et cetera, et cetera. This is just the same old shit, but in a better package and more slicked up with more money behind it and technology. It's yeah, the people same think thing, they can man. fool us with a va- with like vaccines and, and those kinds of things with like absolute serious scientists on both sides of that argument. And they're still trying to pull off scams in that area. You think they can't pull off scams against a bunch of people that like are actually getting the, the ancient medicine. Like they're telling you to take the good thing and they're packaging it all in such a, it's still a conundrum. I still don't get it entirely. 
I don't get the motive necessarily, unless it really is just to create like an ultra mental prison almost on the planet, I guess. I don't know. It's weird again, because I had such positive experiences. Or should I say even my negative experiences were so life transforming, you know, even without guidance early on, you know, I slowly got it throughout decades, but, uh, man, like such positive outcomes. Do you have any idea what they might counter that with? Cause they know that that's clearly a possible, I don't understand why they want us all to have that enlightening or maybe enlightening is too much of it a word, but, uh, expanding experience of our consciousness. Why would, why do they want us to have this? What do you think? Uh, my opinion if, if is, evil, you know, <laughs> my opinion is they want everybody tripping for one reason or the other and many reasons, but I see this psychedelic rollout as all part of a giant multi-tiered program to bring down the West and basically destroy the family and the, See, psychedelics, they take people away from their culture, their religion, and their family. Yeah, true. That's the bottom line. And it's all a death cult. The whole psychedelic movement and Grateful Dead scene is a death cult. Yeah. I think it's all part of a big scheme, a plan, multi-tiered, many levels to bring down the, the, the United States. That's how I feel about it. And I said that six years ago on my first YouTube show. And if you look behind it, the same people from the same tribal affiliation are all behind it. All the biggest names. Yeah. And in every category, uh, as I'm freshly learning with my friend, Dwayne Hayes and uh, who I mentioned earlier, Andy Gerard, um, they've done a lot of research into the early part of the 20th century. And it's like all of sociology, all of psychology, all of these areas of like, uh, you know, trivium uh, education basically uh, are flooded with this death cult ideology. It's interesting. Yeah. Like the death cult idea, it's totally true because ever since psychedelics, like before psychedelics, I didn't give death two thoughts really. And then ever since psychedelics, it's all, I think about death there. too much, man. I, I think about death too much. Yeah, it's always there. It's always waiting for you. It's always it's, right there. <laughs> not necessarily. A, 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 you know, I would agree that like the mentality that is spread around in the psychedelic culture, that it is a way to free yourself of the fear of death. I do agree with that in a lot of ways. Still a lot of murky questions kicking around in my head from weird experiences. And, and you know what? You no. Know. Okay. Let's say you're not afraid of death now because you've tripped a bunch of times. That's all fine. <laughs> but you know what? If you're sick, the process sucks. Having to get to the point of death, you know, the, the pain, the discomfort, et cetera, et cetera, medical equipment. You know, a, a friend of mine who passed away from cancer a while back, she said, I'm not afraid of death, but it's the process that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Don't so it's like that. the psychedelics Horrible. aren't going to change that. They're not going to no. pay your rent. And when you come no. down, you're still going to have your problems. Right. And that's why the There's real message no is, to, is to take them or, you know, have that, you know, perplexing experience mm-hmm. a couple times until you get it. And then, you know, spend the rest of your life trying to get there naturally or you know, just work towards what it taught you or whatever. And and too many people ignore the ugly shit and ignore the contradictions. Like there's, there's, there's uh, authors and podcasters that'll defend peyote way to the death, but they won't touch the the 1950s era. This guy, 
Yeah. They don't want, denial, you know, they're not right? going to, they ignore it because it's all about the drug. It's, it's like a, like a brainwashing where anything goes to accomplish the goal. And drug zealots are just as bad as political zealots. They can be some pretty crazy people, man. Well, they're religious zealots. Once. They're, they're very violent and they like to, to guard their little drug fantasies. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I got into many arguments <laughs> and, you know, heated debates with people about psychedelics and, and religion because of psychedelics and things like that. Yeah, it really is a... It opened my mind, opens a lot of people's mind, but to what maybe? I don't know. <laughs> but it does seem so natural. It seems so ancient. It's been with us forever. It's been throughout our all of our religions, it seems. So, I mean, it does have to mean something on a neutral level on, you know, in our lives. I think but... this DMT elf shit is bullcrap, too. I knew people that I took DMT the in the 70s and 80s, and nobody ever reported an elf or a machine. No. I think this is a new construct that's been put into the lingo, into the culture. Technology, the, aliens. Yeah, I I call bullshit on this DMT elf stuff. Now, I've only had DMT once, and it was made in a biker laboratory, and that was 1978. But I've known people that have used it, and nobody ever reported seeing elves or machine things. They're, I, they're I really think that's a new construct. That's, and now everybody's supposedly seeing it. It's yeah. another, you know, they put something in your consciousness and then everybody starts subscribing to it. Right. Like I was saying, they give us one little push and we run with it and create our own psyops because yep. it's not only yep. that they're seeing the elves, there's entire YouTube channels dedicated to exactly what the elves are telling and, and oh, saying God, to us and what that. it means. And, and, you know, it's even from some people that I really appreciate some of what they say. It's, it's, it's all mixed in together, you know, the good and the bad, unfortunately. With this, you know, I ask them, it's like, well, how have you solved any problems in a personal relationship? How have you solved problems at work? How, how are you solving financial and health problems? How is the psychedelics helping you to solve real problems in your life? Right. You'll never really get an answer. Yeah, I used to think, oh, I'm more loving or more compassionate. That, that's too vague and ambiguous. Right. Specifically, what problems have you solved in your life as a result of psychedelics? Right. Yeah. I think a lot of times they create a lot more problems. Absolutely, know? man. I mean, I ran around with a friggin' notepad in my pocket for like two years, like a crazy person. Anytime they, my mind would think of something, you know, all drugs change the way we think and yeah. therefore the way we behave. It's a drug. It changes the way we think. Mm -hmm. And the more we take these kinds of drugs, the more your thinking changes and therefore your behavior. You right, know, we right. think things, we do things and we get results. It's mm -hmm. really kind of simple, you know? Yeah. The way I see it now. We think right. things, we do things, we get results. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the rock solid. Uh, I say this a lot on my show that like we need more grounding rather than ascending. Right? Yeah, I'm so tired of hippie bullshit, hippie talk, <laughs> and uh, the spiritual bullshit, goddess worship. I mean, I could just go out of my mind anymore. Right. I mean, I, I don't <clears> doubt <throat> that there's... Cause like I I'm big on symbolism. I love ancient history and I, and there is a lot to this. Like, so for instance, like, you know, you, we can show pictures or, or prove that uh, certain symbols were being used in the sixties by these nefarious people that can come, that can connect back to 
Mesopotamia, Egypt, and all these ancient religions and things like that. And you look back there and it's a plethora of perspectives on who you want to believe. And it's all baby eating Satanists back in the day or, well, no, that didn't even exist yet. Like all, all this just, it's all over the place where it all comes from. And, uh, you know, really it's, it's so it's hidden so well, this deception, because I mean, really when it comes down to it, Terrence McKenna's archaic revival falls in line with so much of what, uh, has been pushed on, like what we feel like we want to get back to and what we want and need, uh, grassroots movements and getting back to making our own food, growing our own food, things like that, like getting back to the earth. That is an archaic revival. It is an archaic way of life. And it does feel like this force, this deceptive force is like encouraging that, which is really bizarre to me. But at the same time, when you're talking about the collapsing of all of the West, it's, it is interesting because the more of us that are, engaged in the technology that the elites are using and we're going back to the grassroots, they have probably a hell of a lot more advantage over us than they even do now. Maybe that's the, you case. know, the people pushing this stuff too, aren't following their own advice. Oh, okay. They want everybody else to live, you know, to grow their own wheat and live in a, a year when, you know, the dead are drinking Fiji water. They're jetting around here and there, you know, they got Gucci bags. Yeah. It's like, what a bunch of shit, you know, there. And actually, are you familiar with the houseboat summit, the 1967 talk with uh, Leary and a couple other people? It's called the houseboat summit. Maybe. Well, what they're Was doing wild is bill there too. No, that that's a, I know what you're talking about there. That's a okay. different thing. Okay. This was 1967. I could send you a link later and you could check it out. But uh, they're actually admiring the Chinese social system of control. And all of those people were rich, Weary and Alan Watt and all these people, but they want everybody else to live like pigs in the dirt while they have the best of everything. Hmm. And it's, again, it's a class, you know, there, there was tape. Uh, I'm going to have to find it. But Bob Weir says in days of old, the deadheads would be our servants, our indentured servants that would grow our wheat and harvest our wheat while we live as barons in the castle. Holy I mean, they shit. totally think the, the, you know, if you're still following the Grateful Dead, man, and honoring, <laughs> worshiping them, it's like snap out of it. Please snap out of it. I want to I want to like seriously go through like a just a, a bandsaw throughout this whole thing, uh, not just on this episode, but many like I, I want to do a deep dive on Alan Watts because I've learned more from Alan's information over the years than I did from any anyone else in that in that culture. Like I listened to Terrence McKenna obsessively for years and years and years. Right. And it only made me more insane and finding Alan Watts totally brought my feet back on the ground. And like, but I totally agree with your summation of, of who he was and what, who he ran with and all that kind of shit, obviously. So this is where the disconnect for so many people in this alternative world. Uh, oh, comes I'm at, from, I'm at the know? place where I say, so what? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> your philosophical fucking rant could be just wonderful, but I don't care. So what? That's fair. That's that's fair. where I'm at nowadays with all this kind of stuff. No, I don't blame you at all. I mean, with the information you have in your head, I couldn't blame you at all. 
I I'm still just in that place where I'm, I'm no longer like confounded by it, but I'm like still, I'm just desperately trying to understand it. And I'm digging. Oh, yeah, through, man. You know? I'm still digging. You know, none of us know everything. It's always <laughs> Absolutely a learning not. process, man. One piece at a time, one piece at a time. And, and like I tell people, it's like, this is only my opinion based mm. on my life experience and what I've learned. I'm not going to think for anyone. I'm not going to pretend I know what somebody's motivation is. I only know what I think and what I've been through. And that's what I relate to, mm -hmm. what I relate to others. And if I can back it up with some kind of uh, citation, primary source documentation, anything, pictures, whatever, then I, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I, I just stay with what I know. It keeps that's... things a lot simpler. It keeps things simpler. And I think it's on, it's the most honest way to go about it. And I'm learning more and more that, that, yeah, the, the spiritual side of all of this has gotten so just, it's just a giant provocation. It's just all like glamor and, and I see it all as, as a alluring fantasy now, you know, not that there's, there's an inner world. There's something going on beyond your five senses. I get that. And I appreciate that. And I'll always hold dear to my repressed memories of like things that could but confirm how does that, that translate in our daily life. Though, right. You know? Ex so exactly. But you know, part of my psychedelic experience, which this is the part that's never advertised on Gaia shows or anything like that is that grounding aspect that I had a lot of, crazy stuff going on in the psychedelic trips but also the culmination of them where it was always regarding real life real world situations and that's mostly when people say like the the bad trips there's no such thing as a bad trip it's it's always a learning experience if you can see it that way you know and and all of those learning experiences all have to do with our rock solid day-to-day -day lives and it's not to do with fighting reptoids in another dimension right. and all that and i think it's fun to to enjoy entertainment but when it comes down to it when we're looking into these topics i think it's really important not to gloss over these finer details and it and people reveals get lost. something people get lost in the psychedelics yeah a I, lot I, of people get lost guilty as charged man right here for and sure I, I spent way too many years being a, a apostle for psychedelics you know <laughs> right, right always on, gave yeah. away more than you sold yes Yes. And uh you know. yeah, I have free DMT sitting on my desk over in the corner that's just collecting like an inch of dust at this point because I just can't bring myself to go back. Not that I even have a point to go back there, you know. Oh well, um yeah, this has been really cool, man. I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else we haven't covered that you wanted to cover? No, not without getting lost in a loophole. <laughs> sure, I, you know. sure, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't approve of the new psychedelic rollout. I think there's a reason that it's such an overkill. Yeah. And I would be very wary if I was a young person these days, you know? Yeah. The microdosing thing. Uh, I've heard, I heard about it back in the day. It wasn't, it's not like a new thing necessarily, but the push True. for it and the efficiency behind it nowadays is so much different. You know, it's very pharmaceutical at this point. And, uh, yeah, that's what worries me. I mean, the, the constant use of psychedelics, it's like, well, wait a minute. It sounded attractive to me years ago. Like, well, that would be cool. It, you know, I just saw that movie limitless where you could take a pill <laughs> in the, you know, and I got that, that <laughs> feeling like, well, cool. It's like, maybe this is 
how we use natural plant medicines to become more powerful or something. And I guess it's easy to see it that way. But when you just start to pull back and start to look at dependency, especially considering the fact that a lot of psychedelic culture is like very Eastern wisdom based. it's like, well, that's all about detachment, bro. (laughs) Not attachment to more materialism, like fucking psychedelics, you know? And I do see it being pushed on all the big channels, right? Joe Rogan, he seems, in my opinion, to be the new Terrence McKenna. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all selfishness. It's ultimate selfishness. And it goes back to Crowley, the do as thou wilt. You look at you look at a Grateful Dead crowd dancing and every single person there is living in their own head, wondering how cool they look. Yeah. And I'm more spiritual than this guy. And I know more about the band than her. And do I look right the way I spin? They are all thinking about how cool and spiritual they look. And it is all about selfishness. This whole culture, counterculture, psychedelic, hippie, drug bullshit. It's all about ultimate selfishness. And look at our society now. We literally have people demanding to be called cats. <laughs> yeah. and, and people with six different kinds of hair. Today they're a lesbian. Tomorrow they're a whatever. Yeah. Anything goes. And that's all selfishness. It's ultimate selfishness. This right. is the Pandora's box that was opened in the 60s, man. That's how I see it now is ultimate selfishness. And it is it's a new age as freedom. It's packaged as freedom. Absolutely. And it's actually slavery, man. Yes. It's a new age deception. Absolutely. Wow. Tread carefully, I'm... children. <laughs> so so listen, I know this isn't your uh your focus or anything, and I know you weren't physically there, but I know you know quite a bit about it. And I just was wondering before we go, if you wouldn't mind. Um recently you told me that uh there was a mm-hmm. podcast going around that was kind of spreading some uh, poor information or, you know, information that was a little off the uh, off the right path about Laurel mm. Canyon and that because of that skewed perception or the, you know, the bad facts, it was kind of painting a very spiritual picture around it that doesn't need to necessarily be there. Would you mind talking about that at all? We're not mentioning any names. Everybody's, you know, entitled to their opinions and, you know, trying to bring their own information well, forward. But whenever I think somebody it's... does a show on the 60s, I have to listen. I'm compelled to. I hear you. Yeah. You know, as a 65 year old dude that spent most of his life with serious drugs and alcohol involvement, you know, <laughs> without admitting any felonies right now. But um, I hear misinformation, particularly about Frank Zappa continuously. Now, Frank only lived at the log cabin four months in 1968. And then he spent the next 25 years at a place on Woodrow Wilson Avenue. Mm -hmm. So when people say Frank controlled the music industry from the log cabin, that's incorrect. He was only there for four months and he actually moved because the scene was getting so insane. So he spent the next 25 years at a house that nobody talks about. Um, there was a lot of misinformation. Jared Leto did not buy the log cabin. Jared no. Leto bought the Lookout Mountain Laboratory. And Lady Gaga did not buy the log cabin. She bought the Woodrow Wilson property. <laughs> okay. And Charles Manson never lived at the log cabin. He never lived with Frank Zappa. That is an absolute misstatement. Okay. That 
you know, I was a massive Zappa fan. I was a foaming at the mouth Zappa fan. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of thousand hours of tapes. They were part of the shit I smashed up with a fire axe. But um, oh, so he's he's part of it too. Okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, Manson never lived with them. It's like, right. why would you even say something that's so easily checkable? Hmm. You know, and there was misinformation about the. Uh, there was a lot of stuff ascribed to the American Pie song "Bye Bye Miss American Pie." Mm-hmm. All kinds of this whole tale was weaved about what the song means and who it's talking about. When in actuality, you could go online and see the guy that wrote the song, Don McLean. He says it has absolutely zero cultural significance to any event or personality. And if it did, I would have named the names. So it's like, again, this is a primary source documentation. The man that wrote the damn song said there's all this other shit is a fantasy. It's not there. So then we have people that go on shows that are talking for 10 minutes about American Pie, and they're completely wrong. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Don McLean, he was not this elite rock star that was like touring constantly and making millions of dollars for years. No, and years I, I don't know much about him, but no, American Pie was, was kind well, of a one hit wonder. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, my dad saw him open up for a bigger band back in the 70s. And my dad was lucky enough to see him perform like a big one of his before he was a, a any sort of household name at all. And yeah, he remembers the whole audience like booing the shit out of him. And then he played American Pie and no one had really heard it before. And everybody <laughs> loved it. And they all cheered. And as he was going off the stage, he gave the finger to the audience, smiled and walked <laughs> off. He kind of seemed not like one of these elite hippie 60s kind of, you know, types so yeah, i, I think know, he was kind that, of a private guy because obviously someone could e- easily say well yeah i mean he's not gonna say anything he's you know they'll kill him if he if he tell if he says the names you know but that's the rabbit hole right i mean some of that stuff goes on so who fucking knows <clears throat> right but i yeah. mean um just oh, the, the other thing was altamont too oh interesting. the other misinformation was about altamont the concert Meredith Hunter was killed during Under My Thumb. It was not Sympathy for the Devil. Ah, so we're connecting it to... So I didn't hear the episode. A lot of people say it was during Sympathy for the Devil. They've been saying that for years, and it's not true. Interesting. That was debunked 45 years ago. And everybody that wants to connect it there, they're putting the cart before the horse, and they have their conclusion set for them. It has to do with a very like we were talking about before this fantasy land kind of religious, I hate to say it, but yeah, religious kind of fear, this fear porn of this satanic cult. And it's well, like, again, a little bit of research, the men that filmed the movie, the guys that actually ran the cameras that day said it was during under my thumb. Now, I mean, what, you know, come on. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's and, and that, I, I the believe mistake it. was made because of the editing, the way the film was edited and then put together. It was during Under My Thumb. And to say that Alan Passaro was found dead right after the show is incorrect, too. He was found dead a full 15 or 16 years later after the fact. Wow. I'm quite sure it had nothing to do with Aldemont. Mm. You know, to, in, to infer that he was killed right away is, is a misstatement, a mi- mischaracterization. So I think it's important for people that um, are interested in those topics. Like, yeah, maybe take what you heard, fill in this information and see what the rest of that 
perception, like if any of it holds up still, because it sounded like what we were talking off air, it sounded like it was being painted in a very, yeah, fear porn, spiritual kind of way. And it's like, yeah, that's more of that, uh, that land of the lost kind of shit where you were. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how people can go on a show and claim all kinds of shit. That's basically, that is completely untrue that anyone can find for themselves on the web. It's like, you know, and then to have a host not give any pushback at all and just go, wow, amazing. Wow. Amazing. Like that guy did last week. It's like, it's dude, different. what the hell, man? Yeah. And I, I had made a comment in the comment section and I got blasted by his audience. You know, people were doing everything you? from blah, 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 dude. And did they it's like, Hey, wrong is wrong, man. Wrong is wrong. And like I tell everybody, if there's a show, if you do a show and I don't know what the topic is, I'm going to shut up and listen to your show. Mm. But if you're doing a show and I know about the topic and I have experience with it, you can be damn sure I'm going to be mouthing off in the live comment <laughs> section, the chat room afterwards, because I know I will only talk about stuff I know and have experience with. So these 60 shows really intrigue me, man. It's like, wow. And there's yeah. absolutely no evidence that Zappa's father was the head of MK Ultra. That was a complete fabrication, too. I mean, I, could, I got of... this... I got this Zappa thing, man. I, you know, it, it's like, I just go nuts when people give misinformation like that. Oh, but the, and the head of MK ultra, that's something you can look up too and declassified documents. Yeah. If we Frank, trust those, I don't know. I don't know. Frank's dad did have a security clearance, a top secret security clearance. And yeah, he yeah. also worked in missile trajectory, but there is zero evidence that he was the head of MK ultra. It's like, right. where do these people come from, man? I, you know, I, I realize I'm an old dude and I'm in the way and everybody's <laughs> no, think they know they're all way. hip slick and cool and they know what's going on. No, we need wrong is like wrong. You. You know? And, the, and th I want just, you know, food for thought, everybody listening, like if just a short time ago, the 60s, such a, you know, pivotal, pivotal point in our culture and all this that we're talking about. If that can be misconstrued so easily to fit different perceptions and things like that, rumors flying everywhere, how bad is ancient history? How bad is our crazy perceptions, especially in this community, surrounding all of our history? And of course, that's you know what I talk about all the time, so I won't be a broken record. But but yeah, this uh, has yeah, been yeah. this I, has been got to go with evidence based research. Right. And I, but here's the thing, and I, I'll pose this to you. And, you know, this is just a fun question. Just from my more paranoid side, how much of what we can read out there can we trust? You know, I mean, what I'm finding out, I mean, what we've been talking about tonight, all like all the heroes are not heroes. You know what I mean? All yeah, the absolutely. icons and idols. And we're not just talking about music and psychedelic bands we're talking about writers of the time and you know so much of of this has been thought of ahead of time it's almost weird i can see why some people go with the reptilian alien superhuman controlling us idea because it almost does feel like sometimes that they get to press pause and write about 18 steps of the play <laughs> you know but when you think about it it's all fucking psychologists doing this you look back at the early 20th century it's always been these types that have been diabolical, obsessed man. with diabolical trying to figure genius. out yeah and trying to figure out the human because it's and i guess 
That's a good way for people to think, well, yeah, they're trying to figure out the human because they're not human. They're reptilians. No, they're fucking narcissists. And narcissists. Yeah, I, I don't think that they either. have our goodwill in mind. No, definitely not. The psychedelic rollout, too. I don't think any of this is for our benefit. I think it has no. some very malevolent undertones and overtones. There, there's just they don't have our benefit. It's not about expanding consciousness and no. all this shit that they're claiming. There's a whole subset going on that I see that I've seen. And it's like, man, this is, they do not have our interest at heart, I guess, to bottom line it. Absolutely. And I think it's, um, it's a, it's a process that we have to put ourselves through over and over again. And it's like a mm -hmm. set of stair. It's a never ending staircase because the more you dig through this kind of stuff, the more people that you quote unquote may rely on for data or information turn out to maybe be a part of something that you're not sure how they fit, but it's clear that they're there. And, it, and yeah, it, it kind of creates more cognitive dissonance sometimes, but I think at your age, at your experience level, you've kind of said, cut the bullshit, just, you know, stick to the facts. I, I deal with the here and now I deal with what is, yeah. You know, I, I had sent you some pictures of pottery. Those were custom made for me. That spittoon and that skull that yeah, was custom me, made for me. But uh let me pull those. Yeah, up man. There. I just deal with what I know and what I can prove and, and what is instead of all this ephemeral nonsense. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. You could get lost chasing yourself. And I do, and sometimes I really enjoy it. Full full disclosure. Oh, it can be you know? fun. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be fun and it it absolutely will teach you things about yourself. Maybe not necessarily about the world. You know, you may be thinking you're learning about something outside, but you're actually learning about something inside, you know. So there's always a, a good reason to look into the past and 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 dig through this kind of stuff. But yeah, to come out the other side, I think we need to be more grounded going forward than trying to get our feet further and further off the ground. But that's our two cents, right? I agree with you, Carl. I do. So I appreciate you, man. I thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, thanks and, for uh, asking me. I, I thank you very much. I hope I yeah. made some friggin' sense. You absolutely did. I had a great time having a conversation with you. And uh, I think it would be if you were up for it in the future, I'm kind of trying to get like a small group discussion going with a with a group on a podcast surrounding these. Topics. Oh, I would love because... that. You know, I, I, I love interaction. I'm very affable. I'll talk with anybody. Great. Great. Yeah. I think this topic is so huge and it can go in so many important directions, you know, and I think none of us probably have the best memories and you know, we all ping each other and bring something up that the other one's going to think of next and it, it all helps. So I think it would be a really oh, yeah. fun time. We'll have to get that together at some point, but until cool. then, please let my audience know if they want to reach out, they got some questions or. I'm off. Like I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. I have the same emoji thing. It's an ugly old guy, a black and white picture. <laughs> that guy actually, that was a facial contortion champion. That's where I got that picture from. That's awesome. I, I had an old friend go, God damn, what happened to you, dude? I go, man, that's not fucking what I look like now. <laughs> I on. assumed it was you at first, too. I was like, cool. He looks, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, so hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. I'm, I'll, I'll talk with you. Absolutely. Talk with anybody. Cool, man. Yeah, and I'll have, I'll have Carl's questions. Uh, I got no problem. I'll have Carl's links in the description. Of course, reach out to Carl, um, send him a friend request, follow him on Twitter. And yeah, thank you for joining us here oh, for welcome. another talk on psychedelics and counterculture and counter Intel. 
Um, and yeah, see you next time. Okay, thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Carl. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, that's Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>